What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie, you're back. Uh, I took kind of a week off because I lost my voice, so I don't think that would have been a good look coming on here with, uh, you know, trying to talk through, um, I don't know, sickness, something crazy. You were in strep throat or something. <clears throat> I don't know, man. It was weird. Uh, I was at Harvey's deal at uh, Cal State LA, and all of a sudden, midway through the, the day, I couldn't talk. Wow, it was random. Yeah, it was really weird. I think it's like we said, we always try to tell people, uh, thank you guys for tuning in, by the way, um, as we get closer to, it's closer to episode 50. Fellas, if you're sick, if you're coughing, if you're sneezing, stay away from the gym. Stay away from me. Yeah. And you Just know stay me. from press I'm row. A, Go sit in the I'm top. a germaphobe. Yeah. You know me. You watch yeah. me with my yeah. hand sanitizer and yeah. I don't touch bathroom doors and like door yeah. handles and shit. Yeah. I use my, yeah. my shirt to open doors, but uh, anyway... Either way, I got I got hit with something. You were in Texas, uh, Dino's Frost Off mm-hmm. Camp, and then in Colorado Springs for USA Basketball. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to go into what we've seen from players on a, on a future pod. Yeah, we'll just kind of recap. overall kind of recap thing. October. We'll yeah. We'll re- recap October. We'll recap USA Basketball and the three Pangos Fresh Soft Camps that were, uh, you know, one is coming up in Chicago soon. Uh, one was recently in Texas. And the final one will be the weekend of the 24th, 25th, 26th in New Jersey slash Philly in Tri-States area. So we'll, we'll cover that in a later pod, but we kind of wanted to touch more <laughs> on hot topics. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, we um, NBA season's kind of gearing up, and we're kind of gearing, shutting down this decade. 2010's been an interesting decade, and we're, we're going into the 2020s. So uh, we got a... F- few hot items we're going to touch on so yeah, the should first, be good good should be good good uh good stuff here the first hot item which is kind of cooled down from what it was uh the last couple of weeks was um you know the NBA China uh Daryl Morey Houston Rockets international incident can we call it that it yeah was, I mean yeah. you could kind of look yeah. at it yeah because the NBA is global to their credit and you know, China has a hundred, you know, one point five billion people. And they all love basketball, and they mostly all <laughs> love basketball. So it's a pretty big incident. It involves, you know, business. It involves freedom of speech. It involves communism. It involves democracy. It involves uh, a lot, lot of things. And the that... NBA's most popular player. Yeah. Or it, yeah, know, it global ambassador. A lot of things, and the NBA's most popular team in China, yeah. the yeah. Rockets, because of Yao Ming's mm-hmm. career yeah. with Houston. Sure. And Yao Ming is now. I believe he's the president or whatever leader kind of, um, of the CBA layout, Chinese, layout yeah, the Chinese Basketball Association. So, uh, to give you guys a little bit of background, if you don't already know, and most of you probably do, uh, Rockets general manager Daryl Morey, after uh, Houston played a preseason game in China, uh, tweeted a, uh, I guess it's a pro Hong Kong protester tweet, um, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Um, if you don't know, there's been multiple protests over the last months and thousands of people in Hong Kong taken to the streets to, you know, promote a pro-democracy um, fight that they're, yeah, they're leading. Yeah. yeah, they want to be away, either away from the communist regime. regime yeah. Or, yeah, or maybe they got something They got something now that they weren't thought they were going to have when the British, I guess, when China took over the Hong Kong from the, from the, the Brits. Yeah. Again, I'm not a history major, but I'm, that's the basic gist, gist of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're fighting from what we have. From what essence. we have, correct. Make it make it real simple. simple. They're fighting yeah. for to be yeah. able to have the same freedoms that we have here in America. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Freedom uh, of religion. Freedom maybe. of the press. Yeah. Be able. To, you know, th- yeah. Twitter is a is a um, uh, site that's blocked in China. 
Interesting. They can't, like, you can't go and try, go to China and go on Twitter and start saying spewing tweeting, things. Yeah, spewing mm-hmm. things and yeah. um, you know, any kind of rhetoric you want, like you can in America. You can say whatever you want um, here, basically, you know. Um, but yeah, it sparked a, a firestorm. We've seen the backlash, you know, keep coming, keep coming, and it's finally kind of tapering down a little bit. Um, but from a business perspective, it's not uh, going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. No, this is a a big thing. Obviously, thousands of people, like you said, have taken to the streets. Um, Maury's tweet uh, sparked a firestorm. And, you know, the NBA had two teams there, right? So the Rockets were no longer there. The the Lakers Lakers and Nets Nets were were there. there. They were playing a preseason slash exhibition game. And Maury quickly deleted the tweet. Yeah. Or somebody told him to delete it. Or maybe he didn't realize, you know... He was probably maybe like again on Twitter. Many times we we say things that are personal, but you know, and many people in the media will have something saying, "Hey, my tweets are my views." But in this case, you know, you have a, a GM and he's representing the NBA, so it almost like when you say that disclaimer, it almost doesn't matter if you're big, if you're super yeah. big. It's like think, back yeah. in back in the day, when people yeah. put put retweets don't equal yeah. endorsements on yeah. their tie on their bio, and it's yeah. like, what what does it equal then? But yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So um, it's kind of gives some background on that. You know, players have been very active, and the NBA has always been like a proactive league. They've kind of taken that stance. When it comes to politics. Yes, because we're talking about politics. And, and they've now, whether they did it directly, I, I haven't seen evidence they did it directly, but the media, and like you say, social media has said the NBA does it this way, and the NFL, look at these jerks over here. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, people have been kind of running with that for maybe two, two, three, maybe three years now. Mm-hmm. NBA players are proactive. They're about freedom. They're about players' rights. The NBA uh, does things the right way. On the other hand, the NFL has no guaranteed contracts. They're quote-unquote slaves. They The owners treat them like shit. Then the NBA says we don't even call our owners owners anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NBA's just taking a totally different perception wise turn and i think that's where this hurt is the perception of it so like we said in the background of it uh san antonio spurs coach greg popovich and um golden state warriors coach steve kerr obviously they're two of the most um well-known coaches i guess yeah. because of longevity and because winning. the warriors are winning and winning yep you know so and the spurs have won yeah, in the past no spurs have been winning for the last you know 15 20 years so they've taken a pretty hard and outspoken stance against some of the things president donald trump has either said on Twitter or has spoken or his actions. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, been pretty adamant about that in the last couple of years. Um, basically, a, a reporter, some reporters will ask him about that. And they get, in other words, the reporters get the most out of it, in my opinion, because they get the soundbite, what they want. People click on their video, people visit their website, and Kerr and Popovich are saying what they Feel and they have the freedom to say it, which mm-hmm. we're saying here about about what China probably wants and Hong Kong probably wants some of that. Some of their the residents want that actually. So, um, you know, they've been doing that for a couple of years, and they're they're free to do that. And the only thing that I saw Devin was that there was no call to action. It was just their their uh, soundbite, and the media ran with it. And maybe Donald Trump was looking at it. People in the White House, okay, it's out there. No problem. You know, other people have criticized Donald Trump, as we know. This is a huge ongoing thing. Trump tweets a lot. He tweets a lot at late at night. He treats things with misspellings. He pisses a lot of people off. Let's just be honest. He pisses a lot of people off, which is, you know, it is what it is. So they've been 
kind of following that. And then we come up to Maury's tweet. You've got two teams in China. So I get that part. From their part, the two teams, you probably don't want to say nothing too crazy because now you're a security issue. Are they going to... They're still, they're get, still they, there and they're there. deal with... The, f- the, the ramifications. Back, the ramifications right. of what you say or what you do. So the tweet itself to me, Ronnie, yeah, totally fine. Like, yeah. he, he's he's an American. He should be able to do that. Yeah. The timing of it, not so great. Not yeah. so great for you know his fellow NBA employees, employees, yeah. coworkers, he's, things like however that. you want to call them. Sure, you know they're all one family. It's only four hundred fifty yeah. players, and you know, one other hundred or two hundred, uh, you know, mm-hmm. GMs, scouts, you know, small family, so. I'm sure there were some thoughts like, okay, so they asked some players about it here and Curran Popovich. They asked Curran Popovich, Popovich about it. Of course, because they're going to go to those two guys. They're going to go to those two guys because they have been so outspoken okay. yeah. um, against President Trump yeah. and his actions and his tweets. And, and like politics said, in general. Politics in general. You know, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, they asked him about it, and they took kind of a more of a hands-off approach to this one. Um, Popovich kind of still had his dry humor. Yeah. Steve Kerr, who I thought really, like you said, he really thought about what he was going to say yeah. and didn't. He has no quarrels. When he speaks about Trump, he speaks clearly, loudly, and straight to the point. This one, yeah, you could see he was a little nervous, backtracked. Yeah. And now is that is that a yeah. is that a lack of um, kind of understanding for the whole situation, or is it a protect my protect our business endeavors in China? I what think is it? Kerr knew all three of those things. Yeah. Because he's a well, thing, he's a yeah, well-read person. Yeah. So is Popovich. Yeah. So it's intelligent guy. Okay, this is a big thing. I'm, they're asking me a big putting the mic in my I face. Know. This is big, right? Like, it's on the world stage. Yeah, and it's almost like he has a stage of almost any that equal politi- to an equal politician to that stage. Like people are going to hear Steve Kerr's soundbite as much as they're going to hear Elizabeth Warren's or sure. Oh yeah, or, no, 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 for sure. It's big. Yeah. So he thought about it again. He, you know, didn't want to say too much or kind of came not off as strongly as he had an opinion. He didn't have a strong opinion about it. So people really... They ripped him. They ripped him. <laughs> Let's be honest. They just ripped him. Um, he probably was thinking of some of employees in, in still in China. Um, again, and then Trump comes up and doesn't treat some. He says something. And Trump starts ripping them. Yeah, calling Trump them little boys. And, and, I mean, it's Kurs just, went off like a little boy. Yeah. He looked like a squirmy little guy up there. And again, like we're saying, I think Trump hears and sees these sound bites and he's waiting for his moment. Okay, something doesn't happen, no problem. People criticize him all the time and they have the right to. That's what we're, this whole thing is about having the right of speech, having the right of freedom of the press, as you said, Devin. Right. So he jumped their guns. Of which course you know he, he would. <clears throat> he yeah, jumped that, their ass. As soon as, as, soon so, as they yeah. fumbled and threw their responses and kind of took a back that's seat, it. Trump yeah. was for sure going to just yeah. jump all over that because that's what we're accustomed to seeing him do. Correct. So it made it a little worse. The next day, I thought even made it worse again. Steve Kerr goes, I'm surprised he said something about it, which I was was flabbergasted. You're surprised he said something about it? I think, it was, I think that might have been tongue-in-cheek. I think he yeah. might have been being sarcastic. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Okay, but I'm like, yeah, he, he's going to come after you. Then he kind of made comments about the childish reference. So I think you're right. He was a little sarcastic. It still kind of was uh, soft. very soft back tone, you know, yeah. backpedaling. Uh, tough situation for him. He's a, and they're they're in a business. So they do multi billion dollar business that's with kinda, China. That's kind of what I want to hit on real yeah. quick, Ronnie. Is yeah. like it's just a it's just a whole lose lose situation, situation. that that yeah. Maury sparked with that tweet. It's yeah. just I mean 
So he, he sends that tweet, and obviously it's going to get back to the Chinese government, mm. and they're not going to like it because obviously they're a communist regime, and yeah. they don't believe in you know <laughs> the democracy things, they and the things that we have. Correct. Um, that so, we take for granted. I think yeah, a lot of us take for granted. Sure. I agree with you. We take but, a lot of us take for granted. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, to still have NBA teams there and have them have to deal with Getting oh, back. is our game going to be canceled? Yeah, uh, they didn't end up canceling the game. Um, you know, Chinese fans being upset at the whole situation and kind of taking it out on the teams that are still there, getting back here and then having to deal with the media at home, you know, discussing the experience. And I think one of the people who took the biggest hit um, as a player in this is LeBron James. Sure. He had the spokesman. He's he's like the, he's the guy of the NBA. He's been, he's been, he's been outspoken too against, you know, uh, issues here, issues domestic here. here, domestic issues, domestic uh, issues, with police violence, right? Police brutality he, as he uh, should, should be. be. Yeah. But I mean, he had what was like yeah. 11 days they, to come up correct. with because something. They played the game. Like you said, let's backtrack. Yeah. Said. They played the game. There was removal of a lot of, um, advertisements. If a I lot of advertisements. Yeah. Commercials were out. Banners they, were taken down. down. People were almost saying, were they going to play with even fans? Right. It might've been a, like an empty arena, arena at one point. So they played the game. Yeah. They got home. So LeBron has 10 or 11 days because, you know, when the Lakers have a preseason game, they're going to ask him something. He knows that. The Lakers PR knows that. The league PR knows that. Adam Silver knows that. Everybody knows it. We know that. We know that. You guys know that. They're going to ask LeBron something. So he has 10 days to come up with something, and he, you know, basically states that, um, you know, came out to say that he believed Maury wasn't educated about the issue before he tweeted and got crushed for mentioning the financial implications of a pro-democracy tweet towards the Chinese government. So now the and he, he also mentioned to yeah. his spiritual, yeah. um, you know, uh, things like that, um, religion, things like that, that also you know hurt their feelings that way. I, I believe. Gotcha. So it was just again, but the financial Kerr, one was the first yeah. thing that came out of his mouth. Correct. So you see. Kerr and you see Popovich, what they're going through. So LeBron has a, some time to prep, and he almost just jumps right into the fire, as they did. On the yeah. on the wrong side, yeah. when yeah. you're yeah. an American who speaks out here on domestic yeah. issues against, you know, yeah. the the, the mistreatment thing, of mis- humans, right, of human or rights minorities. violations, yeah. human rights violations, yeah. which is, you know, obviously in China yeah. are a daily experience yes. for them. Sure. The, as we consider it, as we yeah, yeah as yeah. we consider it, you right. know, uh, not being and not having freedoms, so it got kind of bad. It now really you bad. see, in Hong Kong, the protesters are now not on the NBA side. In essence, the perception of it again may not be reality. Look, we know LeBron's an educated guy, pretty smart. He went for straight from high school to pros, but that, that that doesn't change the fact that he's a smart guy and has done things the right way ninety eight percent of the time. 99% of the time, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, so he, uh, now you see the protesters burning his jersey. <laughs> Dude, it just got, it got out of control completely. because they didn't, the timing of it's bad. The statement came off, um, you know, not very well her- rehearsed, or I should say burst. I mean, not even well rehearsed, Hearsed. like not even, it's not, it wasn't even thought out at all. Wow. I mean, for so it, you had ten days on a huge issue, and you came up with that. I think that's what people were disappointed yeah, with Le- with LeBron. Yeah, yeah, ten days to come up with something to say something about this big issue. I mean, we're talking a superpower and and the biggest populated country in the world. Now, LeBron this has is huge. LeBron has a shoe line. LeBron has clothing line. LeBron has all these 
you know, business endeavors when Space Jam 2 is about to come out, and that's obviously going to be a massive hit yeah. at any box office around the country. How big of a, how big of a uh, uh, weight did that play on LeBron's shoulders to yeah. take his stance that he took? I mean, it yeah. had to play a big yeah. role. So LeBron made a statement, I believe it was at the, at the Staples Center in L.A., Right away, five, ten minutes later, Twitter's jumping on him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then the media tries to clarify his statement. He tried to clarify it on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. and Even yeah. before that, people were saying, LeBron meant this, LeBron yeah. meant this. At that point, I was like, man, the damage and the perception's already done. I don't even recall even getting into looking at what he's supposed to meant. Because you already said what came out wrong or didn't it's come just... out the way right the way you wanted to. Yeah. And that's after ten days, ouch. That's just a tough one for the NBA to take. And then he made a tweet. What did his his retort tweet say, or what did he say? Yeah. He kind of tried to clear it up. Like, um, I'm not even sure people. I think people even really got to that to part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it was like, dude, this is they're already burning jerseys. They're already pissed off. Well, especially they're the, making emojis of LeBron in 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 you know Chinese garments. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, pledging allegiance to the so Chinese here's, flag. Here's yeah. the, the the tweet. I just pulled it up on his yeah. Twitter page. Uh, let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there is any consideration for the consequences and ram- ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. Fair. Mm-hmm. Others can talk about that. My team in this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others, and I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. I agree with um, you know, the substance yeah. not being the kind of idea behind his yeah. statement. And I agree with the timing was terrible. Correct. To send it. You wait till everyone gets back. But then why not, Devin, why not just say that tweet and the interview? I trust <laughs> me, I don't know. I mean he's got so many people <laughs> in his in his camp that yeah. should be advising him yeah. on these things. I'm not sure if he maybe didn't even consult with yeah. them or he didn't Or maybe think I'm he sure was somebody be asked in the that. NBA or Adam Silver said, Yo, Bron, they're gonna ask you I mean you, you, you would, would think. think. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a multi billion dollar business doing business with a multi a world power. Straight up uh, more than and, just and, a business. And a and a, and a company which I read earlier today, I mean a company a, a country which kind it kinda makes up ten percent of the NBA's revenue. Interesting. Ch- China does. Yeah, and it's just on a smaller scale. You give you guys people. People around the world love basketball. Uh, even Ball is Life has a big following in Philippines, and other places. Oh and yeah, on yeah, a yeah. much smaller scale. But yeah. that's our business comes from all over. So yeah, I, I think um, kind of in 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 conclusion or or whatnot. You know, the ending is he came out the next time he was in front of the media and said, "I'm not going to make a statement about politics. I'm not a politician." Again, the <laughs> shovel's going deeper into the ground. Yeah. Because you're saying yeah. I'm, yeah. it's just what it's all a lose, lose, lose. It's it keeps losing and losing and, and losing. Yeah, the latest the latest Ooh. today to come out, um, stuff, you know, yeah. it, obviously it's kind of yeah. dwindling down and dying down a little bit. <laughs> uh, we can't even wrap our heads around what what even happened, but it's just um, one loss after another, yeah, in my the, opinion. The Chinese government apparently, this is what Adam Silver said, asked him to discipline or fire Daryl Morey, and Adam Silver said we're not gonna do anything to him. Um, and then a Chinese stream, streaming company Tencent, which kind of streams NBA games, games to um, their citizens, um, and had a a show planned with uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. They're not going to stream Rockets games, I believe, maybe NBA games at all. But Adrian Wojnarowski's Chinese show is canceled <laughs> on that network. So you know, 
what the was communist regime doesn't yeah. doesn't play around. That's yeah. what it sounds like. I'm getting out of this. Yeah. Speaking of communist regime, mm. Ronnie, you and I went through the uh, mm. the uh, all decade all American elite team for Ball is Life, which is uh, kind of closing out our yeah yeah the best team best players from uh, 2010 to 2019. That's a decade. People for on on Instagram, you, if you can't count a decade, yes. use your fingers. Nice. I wanted that's one of the 2010 point I to make 2019. It. Right is 2010 10 season. years. You're a you're a communist regime when it comes to this because yeah. you overrode my... me on the Harrison Barnes first team <laughs> over Stanley Johnson. And I yeah. want you to explain yourself because yeah. one of the biggest we had a lot of debates on this. It's great. And it was I great. Like, that's, that's what that we was, wanted. That's what we wanted. We sat in the conference room for a couple of days yeah. and went through all these resumes and kind of placed them. Correct. You were adamant adamant about putting Harrison Barnes on the first team. Instead of Stanley Johnson, who, might I add, is coming on the show a little bit later, and who, Great. might I add, won four straight state championships in California. California. Yeah. Get, you're, the floor is yours, Ronnie. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. We wanna, I won, yeah, you know, we your wanna, face right now is showing I'm not going to look like Steve Kerr right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. You know, uh, obviously we wanted to give some uh, parameters to this. We It was the 10 years. You had to be... Started with the first teams, all Americans, meaning I always choose five teams of five for each year. And then you go, if you have using all those five from one year, which you really didn't you, you go to the second year. And then you kind of, you kind of go into who's been all American more than once. We knew that the swing guards, small forwards were going to be the loaded, yeah, loaded, not as many point guards. So I said, okay, crap, here we go. Stanley, Jason Tatum, Harrison Barnes. Okay, get back to Harrison. Stanley's being compared to the other wings. Harrison <laughs> was in the basically the running for National Player of the Year twice. So that, I think that was a big thing. He won 53 straight games, led his team to two straight state titles. Uh, you know, had comparable numbers to Stanley, 26 points a game. Team probably wasn't as strong as Stanley's most of the time. They finished 10th in the Fab 50. Um, his numbers are comparable, and I think he's just as good as a player. Okay, you know, as in high school, for knowing what I saw, knowing what I saw at camps, and I thought that was a a gut wrenching pick, and I just thought that if if uh, Stanley and Harrison were you had to pick one, I, I don't think you'd go the wrong way. But nobody's gonna go. Oh my God, Ronnie, you pick Harrison, I, you know, and, and at that regard, he's. As good a player as him. Do you think Harrison kind of is is think, knocked because he doesn't have like some crazy mixtape and he didn't play bit. like Stanley did media in a big, market. big media market and high school basketball market? I think that hurts him a little bit. I think his tape is a little bit older and maybe, you know, not as high quality. Not as cool I, looking. Yeah. yeah. Not as cool looking. More just like a highlight tape. Yeah. yeah. More like a highlight tape you see of a guy. Basically, the t- highlight tapes from 10 years ago and older all look old now because of what we're what we're getting now with Mallow, Zion, you know, yeah. uh, Imani Bates, and even Stanley. The, the yeah. technology of yeah, those five editing years. And, and cameras yeah. and things yeah. like that it made got a better. big big leap. And we got a lot more footage, a lot more footage. That's true. You know, we're down down. And he yeah, won. Otic, our guy Otic was not was, flying was, to Ames, was, Iowa, no. to film Harrison Barnes in 2010. No, yeah, it was just the buzzer wasn't there. It wouldn't. It didn't make sense. So I think he is hurt a little bit by that. I think um, Stanley would have been. A terrific pick. I also think you can. Uh, Jason Tatum fans might 
even argue that he might have deserved to be that high. Uh, again, we didn't get as much statements about that. I think most people wanted to see uh, Zion higher than the 13th. <laughs> yeah, so let, let me go through the teams before we start breaking them all down um, really quickly. So if the first team, first five, and what we tried to do with these was make it a five-man squad that could go out on a court in any game and play, play. together. Correct. Uh, so first five, Lonzo Ball from Chino Hills. Uh, Kyrie Irving, St. Patrick out of New Jersey. Harrison Barnes from Ames, Iowa. Ben Simmons from Mount Birdie Academy by way of Australia. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Hillcrest Prep in Phoenix, Arizona by way of uh, Balboa School in San Diego. Yep. Um, and the Bahamas, right? Bahamian. Yeah, and we wanted to get a point guard and a Co- post player. A couple forwards and at least a post player on every team. At One least. post player and a guard. Not five forwards. Yeah, the second team, R.J. Barrett, uh, yeah. Mount Birdie Academy by way of Canada. Uh, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo from St. Anthony. Which is now closed. Which yeah. is now, yeah, unfortunately. Um, Jason Tatum, uh, Chaminade High School in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Stanley Johnson, modern-day high school in Santa Ana, California. And Jabari Parker from Simeon in Chicago. Both the latter two both won four state championships at the state's highest classification, which is yeah. extremely impressive. It's extremely impressive. Uh, we, we used Jabari because we didn't have a b- another... Center, but Jabari was an inside-out kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, he, he can play in the middle, and he did at Duke, so that was no problem. Yeah. It, it fit. Third, you know? third five. Trey Young, one of the most prolific scorers in, I mean, yeah. in high school basketball history in the yeah. states. Forty-two points a game his senior yeah. year. He, he's deserving. Yeah, Austin Rivers from Winter Park, Florida, still in the NBA now. Um, one of the best mixtapes ever. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna actually gonna talk about that later. Yeah. We'll all mixtape team. We'll talk about that a little uh, while. Another mixtape. High-flying legend Zion Williamson on the third team from Spartanburg Day School. Michael Porter Jr., uh, he's from Missouri originally, um, and then transferred to Washington for his Hale. senior year, yeah. Nathan Hale. They won the championship, won, Fab yeah, 50 number one. Fab 50 number one, even though they, they backed out of Geico Nationals. Oh, that's Devin's <laughs> thing. That's Devin's thing. Oh, God. And yeah. then uh, Again, because that could have took Porter to first team. Sure, yeah, yeah. If he wins that thing, has three game games, he beats Montverde. Yeah. And average 25 points a game, sure. You never know. And the final uh, guy on that list, Jaleel Okafor, a Chicago public school high school legend at Whitney Young. Uh, Ronnie, let's let's dive into that Zion thing. Everyone, I I think think Nick Young, uh, former Laker, Warrior, NBA player, played at Cleveland High School in Reseda. He's uh, one of the first people to comment on it. One of the first people to comment about Zion should be first team. Why? I know why Zion wasn't first team. Because he didn't play against anybody. Yeah. So that's a... Cons- big consideration. Big consideration. Were, were there any other considerations on that? Yeah, I think he's. When you have a panel, and I do have a panel, ten guys, six McDonald's All American voters who pick the player of the year each year. So Zion missed about nine games that year, and that kind of thrust R.J. Barrett. That was 2018, their senior year. R.J. Barrett's team went undefeated. They won Geico. He followed up with Ben Simmons did. You know, the bar's pretty set pretty high there, and he he reached it in essence. So I think everybody would agree that's a deserving pick. So you're not going to go Zion the first team when you had R.J. Barrett as the player of the year over him. Right. So that's a consideration. So Zion could have been second team, but then, again, we're going back to Tatum. And you take Michael Stanley Porter. and... Yeah, Tatum is four-time all-conference, three-time Gatorade, Gatorade play player, player of the year. He broke Bradley Bill's scoring record, who was also considered for third team. Bradley Bill's on the team. And we'll talk a little bit about those. So when it comes down, when you look at other people's resumes, that's what hurts Zion. I don't think his sure. resume yeah, hurts yeah, yeah. him. You look at what the and the game's missing. He can't be. He could be on the same team as R.J. Barry, but he can't be over him. So if then why yeah. wouldn't I name him Player of the Year? Right. So there's two. There's two guys I'm looking yeah. at here yeah. Yeah. that 
position-wise to make yeah. a, 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 flop, a flip-flop flop. with Zion would Wait. be Stanley Johnson and Jabari Parker. Stanley Johnson and Jabari Parker won four straight state titles in very competitive and loaded states. high school regions. Yeah. And states without even and like huge Stanley games. Went, Stanley went 35 and 0 his senior year. Correct. Which Alonzo Ball did, who's a guard, obviously. So they weren't compared to each other. Right. So the forwards were compared to the forwards. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton didn't really have too many peers in the post. No, not anything just, close. Yeah. Just Okafor. The three guys from Chicago, Cliff Alexander, Okafor, and Anthony Davis. So yeah. I, obviously, I think that's it's not hard to say. To yeah, it's not hard to say that Aiton should be the, the post player. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we've talked about that before. So I think those hard picks are that, moving up Zion. Yeah. The pick between Okafor and Cliff Alexander was pretty difficult to leave Cliff off third team. And like you said, the other one is Michael Porter. Maybe going higher, but then you're knocking off Stanley or or Jabari. And those two wanted too high of a level so, too many times, too consistently to be moved off that team. Yeah, that's another consideration is how many games. Your team was Fab 50 ranked. And again, that doesn't mean the Fab 50 is a bob or nothing. It just means you know you're one of the best teams. Even if you're 20, 30, two, second if you're, you're, those are the best teams. Let's just count it as the second 26 through 50, as honorable mentioned. Mm-hmm. Those are the best teams in the country. Yeah. So if Jabari and Stanley are consistently playing those teams, beating those teams, how does Zion knock them out? He didn't beat one team they in the. They pulled out of yeah. how many, how many big time yeah, games yeah. this senior Correct. year? Correct. I think they that's got beat another by, thing. They, get, they got beat by Chino Hills after Mello left. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's a big thing. That game's a big result. And also the fact you mentioned you hit it on the head, Devin. He missed the games. And then they had a chance to play in the City of Palms. They had a chance to play DeMatha. They didn't play those games. That's a little bit out of Zion's um, control. Yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's out of Zion's control. Yeah, and that's he can't he go to be like, "Hey, yeah. coach, here's yeah. the schedule." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, maybe he could. Maybe he. Maybe I mean, he was big time enough, and uh, maybe he could have. But it, that's yeah. what played out. So great history there. Um, you know, just great stuff. Let's uh, go another. 2010s is great. Yeah, you know, when you look, it is. It's hard to pick. The player of the decade is Ben Simmons. Again, we're going back to winning big, playing big. I think that's the two big things of the decade, De- uh, Devin, is um, the international influence of the game. You had three guys who were not born in America who were player of the year, including the player of the decade, an Australian, Ben Simmons, Andrew Wiggins. Canadian. From Canada and R.J. Barrett from Canada. Right. Uh, I just think that takes the... They've seen what happened in the 2000s, meaning 2000 to 2010. Guys, that's 10 years. Not... Where's Derrick Rose? Where's John Wall? Guys, <laughs> go back. <laughs> there, yeah, go, like go 10 count. years, guys. Count on your fingers. Two, okay, yeah. I'm going to do it for you. Okay, yeah. ready? Go ahead. 19. Two th- no, we'll start 2010. 2010. <laughs> that's one. 2011. <laughs> two. two. A little faster. Twelve. <laughs> 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That's 10. 10 years, guys. 10 years. Derrick Rose and John Wall do not count. They were on the other one. Great all-decade team. Derrick Rose, when I was at ESPN, did make the all-decade team. So did John Wall for the 2000s. Uh, It was very easy to pick. Very easy to pick LeBron James that decade. And I think LeBron took the game to another level, and it showed that internationally – Players knew to come to this system to up their game, whether it's RJ, Nigel Williams, Goss, uh, Tristan Thompson. Uh, there's other players. Yeah, Ben Simmons is a great example. Yeah. Uh, player of the decade. Uh, difference maker in all the big games. Again, going back to Cliff, Cliff Alexander, the monster game. 
from that point of view was uh, his big monster game to knock out Montverde. That game was later forfeited. Curry forfeited games. It looked like they were going to get kicked out of the Chicago Public League playoffs. They're waiting. Then they go play. They go play Whitney Young on. Uh, they're sitting on a bus for three hours. I mean, it's a huge like, like you know, folk folktale of high school basketball. It's like, are they going to play this game? They're out. They're going to have to forfeit. They have no eligible players. Then in the last minute, they get on the bus, get over there, and Cliff Alexander just dominates in the <laughs> city. You know, they win the city title. So the reason why Okafor was picked, because, again, we love Cliff. He had a fantastic senior year. We just thought Okafor had the stronger overall career. He was Chicago Player of the Year over Jabari Parker as a junior. And, I mean, he was in the National Player of the Year running for two years. And didn't head-to-head he beat Cliff more than Cliff beat him, uh, from what I'm remembering. Uh, might have been two to one. In our two to one. But Cliff is great. He had the great senior year. And, you know, that was a tough pick. I think the surprise Cliff, pick. Cliff was a freak in high yeah, school. Yeah, because he was dominant. Yeah. You know, dominated at Pangos Camp, dominated at other events. And, you know, he just uh, had a great career. That was tough. I think the surprise pick that people were a little talking about a little bit. Then they said, oh, man, I remember him. He's killing. Was Kyle Anderson. You know, Kyle Anderson led his team to a 65-0 record. And, you know, Kyle had a great career. The, the game I remember is Kyle beating St. Pat's in the 1-2 game. Kyle played really well. And the reason you why know, Kyle's on that second team is because he's kind of a point guard, guard. the Correct. way he plays. And he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 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 65-0. They were number three in the faculty, number one the year before. He had, you know, 11 points, eight rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals. How Michael Kidd, Gilchrist to seven points. That's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. Speaking of uh, another controversial pick, Ronnie, we didn't really expect this one to be a controversial pick, and we have him on the phone with us here, Harrison Barnes, um, Sacramento Kings forward. Harrison, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the time, guys. So a, a lot of the a lot of the IG comments and the uh, hmm, IG comments, Twitter comments um, are saying, like, too. Stanley Johnson on the second team, you're on the first team. A lot of people think those should be flip-flopped. Give us your case as to why you should be on that first team. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of um, basketball experts on social media, Instagram. Um, I I guess to defend this situation would be uh, more your guys' case, but, you know, I'm just obviously just thankful just to be, you know, considered on that and – you know, high school was a definitely influential time in my life. Um, thanks for all the coaches and teammates that I had along the way that helped me get there. Yeah, you know, uh, this is Ronnie here, Harrison. Yeah, you know, we were just laughing because the guys were saying D. Rose should be on the team. John Wall, like, they can't even count to 10. It's just, it's hilarious. You know what I mean? So it was a great time, like you said. 10 years have gone by real quickly. What's the, the fondest memory you have of, of high school? Just the one thing that kind of comes to your mind first. Man, I think, you know, a lot of the friendships that were built uh, through the AAU circuit, through going through the Jordan brand, the McDonald's All-American game. I mean, you know, now I'm playing on a team with a guy like Corey Joseph, who, you know, I, I played against for a number of years growing up. And then now we're playing together on the NBA level. Um, high school teammates like Doug McDermott, um, other guys I've just been friends with throughout, you know, the time of being from high school through college and now in the NBA, I think those that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. Gotcha. Harrison, uh, you know, speaking of wings, there was a lot of wings on this team. You know, Jason Tatum, Jabari, you, Stanley, 
uh, Andrew Wiggins. You know, it, it, that was the toughest picks. Uh, who was the best high school wing you remember matching up against? And then secondly, who do you think was slept on? Now that you, like you said, now you're in the NBA, you can kind of look back. Who, who was slept on and who was the best guy you went up against? Oh, I think slept on easily was probably uh, Victor Oladipo. Mm. Wow. You know, I think for the, the growth that he's had um, you know, from high school to college, to the NBA, you know, making his mark on the league and becoming an all-star, I think that's um, definitely a testament to his hard work and his perseverance. So definitely he's the most underrated guy in our class. Uh, best wing I matched up against. Whew. Um Tough yeah, one. Tough. Yeah. Tough. I mean, Michael Michael K. Gilchrist was a, was a good a good matchup in high school for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's uh he was he made this team on the on the second. It was hard to you know to pick him over some of the accolades you guys had. Obviously, that's why we picked Kyle Anderson because that next year when you were a freshman in North Carolina, they they went head to head in a huge game, and and um, St. Anthony's won that. Um, you didn't you didn't start off as the best player in the class. Uh. You know, when did it start clicking for you? You know, when did you know you were at that level in that 2010 class? Yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, in like seventh, eighth grade, um, you know, back in the day, you know, the names that you would hear about were like Jeremy Tyler, Tony Chenault, guys like that who were kind of like up up in those ranks. Brandon Knight was one of those guys. And I think for me, I didn't really get exposure until I started playing the Nike Hoop Jamboree, mm-hmm. you know, after my sophomore year. Um, then was able to get invited to other camps from that. But I think kind of playing at that level um, against some of those guys who were top rated and, and highly ranked, I think that's what kind of put me out there a little bit and helped me realize um, that it wasn't just a, a local thing. I wasn't just a good player who was, who was at my high school or in my town, but like I could compete with you know, the rest of the guys in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Those are funny names you brought up, Harrison. You know, Joe Jackson was a big name in the class. Uh, yes, sir. You know, Deshaun Thomas had a big reputation, I remember, like you said, in eighth, ninth grade. Dakota Utah, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. Remember Dakota? Dakota yeah. Utah? Yeah, from, from Kentucky. You know, these guys, it's just interesting how that works out. So now let's go over a little later. You're getting ready to pick a college. You know, it's the fall of 2009. You know, how did you come up with the with the Skype uh, with Roy Williams. How did that come to, to be? <laughs> Man, I took, I took a lot of flack for that later <laughs> on. But, uh, it's, just, it's just an idea that my mom had. Um, she was like, you know, you try to just do something special, you only get to decide once. So, um, you know, that was kind of just something that we came up with last minute on the fly. But I think the whole college experience of just being recruited, going to visits, uh, getting to know coaches, programs, all of that, um, it's a lot, you know, for a, for a high school kid. Uh, so many different things to weigh, so many different options to consider, teammates of who you want to play with. So uh, it was a lot. It was a big process in general, but um, it was a lot of fun making the final decision. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, you know, kind of funny. When, when when's the last time you even used Skype? Have you ever been on Skype? <laughs> when's the last time you've ever even done something like that? Man, they got, they got FaceTime now. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. <laughs> so, gotcha. it, it's really simple. But, yeah, no, like I said, it was just, it was a last-minute thing I was trying to do just to, just to have some fun with the process. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking of taking a little slack, you know, something a little more serious, I would think. Uh, you know, your mom, like you said, Shirley, she, she worked at Iowa State, uh, you know, at the time. You grew up there. 
And you even played for the Little Cyclones. I mean, that's the name of... It was the high school mascot, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 Ames High Little Cyclones. So how much pressure was there from the community to go to Iowa State? And were you worried about any of the backlash, like for, for your mom or your sister? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely, um, you know, a very close connection between Iowa State and I. Um, my mom working there, the fact that I had been around that program for so long, they're my very first offer. Um, Doug and I were very good friends, and his dad was literally the coach of Iowa State um, for a large part of the recruitment. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of pressure to go there, um, but ultimately, you know, I had to make the decision that was best for me, and, you know, Carolina was that choice. You know, there are people that are still upset about the fact that I didn't stay at home, for sure. But I think that's part of the process is no matter what you do um, in your career, in your game, just like you would go and put up shots and you live with the results, you live with the results of the career choices that you make. Yeah, that that's a very thoughtful answer, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so you guys won the 4A title as your junior, and then, you know, you go into your senior year, you have the big game with Waukegan. Uh, did you guys have a talk about going undefeated? You know, what, what was, what was the, the thinking there? You know, you started getting a lot of publicity and a lot of, like you said, a lot of people knew who you were at by that time. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, when you, when you won the championship, we won the championship the first year. Yes, we did go undefeated, but it wasn't like, okay, we're coming into this season saying, okay, we're going undefeated and trying to win it. The year before we lost in sub-state before we even qualified for the state tournament. So, for us, I think that achievement of, of hanging that banner, our only mindset coming to the next year was, look, we want to do it again. However we come there, however it happens, like we just want to win it again. And we were fortunate enough to go undefeated, and that was that was a, a great experience for everybody. But I think the goal for us, no matter what, was, look, we have a great team. We just won one, so let's try to go win it again. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, now, do you recall, recall at all uh, – you know, Jared Sullinger was right there for you guys neck and neck. You know, you guys were in the running for National Player of the Year. They were number one. They'd beat Oak Hill. They beat some good teams. Do you remember them losing? And then you had a real strong ending. You did well at the All-Star Games. You didn't lose a game. You did well at the Nike Hoop Summit. Do you kind of remember hearing about his team losing? And were you surprised? if, if Or, you know, do you have any recollection of that ending? Man, Big Sully. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He was like the definition of winning right, when yeah. you talk about a school player, man. Like yeah. everything he did, whether it was AAU, whether it was high school, I mean, he always won. He was the guy I just would look at and I'd be like, dang, this dude just never loses. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It was, just, it was crazy. I remember like when that when that game happened and he lost, I was, I don't I know, a lot of people just around that class were just kind of like shocked. Like, wow, there's kind of like an opening here where, yeah. you know, somebody might be able to, you know, get some of those awards or, you know, kind of be able to get some accomplishment over Jared in that regard. But I think it's more so a testament to him and how good of a player he was and how much of a winner he was. And I think a lot of times people overlook that in terms of someone's high school resume is how much you're actually impacted winning on mm-hmm. your team. Yeah. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. Yeah. They had a good team. They obviously had Trey Burke on the team, but yeah, they didn't win state. So that, like you said, I think the panel would, might have went with Jared Sullinger if they were number one in the country all the way through and he finished number one. That, that would have been very interesting. Um, so you go to Carolina, and you're the AP preseason player there. I don't know what that means, really. Obviously, it's, it's preseason. A lot of things can be said and done. But did you think that was fair? Did you, 
um, did you invite that? Did you want the challenge, or did you just think like, oh, whoa, this is? Do I need this right now? It's you a know, little wild. Yeah. yeah. What did you think at that time when you heard that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really, yeah. you know, understand the gravity of it. I was more like, okay, you know, it's a, it's an honor to be considered this. Um, I guess it speaks to whoever decided that award or that that preseason accolade, um, the confidence they had in me. So I kind of just took on the challenge from there. Like, you know, that's great. But when you come to Carolina, I mean, you're talking about championship, talking about banner, talking about rich history. So ultimately, um, you know, we needed to win. Right. That that was the biggest thing coming in. And that was the message that, you know, the program really stood for. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You know, did you, as you coming in as a freshman, like you said, there's a lot of great players there. There's already good players there. Did Was there any jealousy or any, oh, man, what is this from the older guys? Or did they kind of embrace you and and, and help you along the way? No, I think, you know, coming from the year before I got there, you know, they had just gone to the NIT, I believe. And, you know, everyone kind of had a big chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, as a young guy, you know, you want to come in, you want to, you know, make a statement, you want to try to help the team from the older guys. You know, they want to get back to the winning track. And, you know, we kind of got out the gates that you're a little, a little slow, you know. I personally, you know, wasn't playing that great. Us as a team, you know, we're kind of struggling getting going. Uh, you know, we had that situation where, you know, Larry ends up um, transferring from the team and kind of in that pivotal point where, you know, they kind of put Kendall into the starting lineup mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the team kind of takes off. So it, it was it was definitely a, t- a tale of two seasons in one, for sure. Yeah, you, I bet you learned a lot from that, you know, just guys, you know, some are not happy. Some guys are, you know, lineup changes can change a lot of things. It, it It's very uh, a lot of pressure there at Carolina. So considering that, considering where you are now in, in Sacramento, you know, trying to make a career for yourself, do the best you can. What's the number one thing you would tell a young player going into high school right now that wants to be a big-time player? And, and what do you see as the number one obstacle or thing that could – pitfall thing that could that could trip a kid up? Man, that's a yeah. – <laughs> that's, that's a big question. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing is – the biggest advice I can give a young player would be uh, to focus on the things that matter to focus on your game, to focus mm-hmm. on the details of what you're trying to become good at, but also understand that winning is the most important thing. And there's a lot of things that you can do to impact winning that won't show up on a stat sheet, that won't show up on a highlight, that may not get a lot of praise, but that bring value to your team. And I think those are the things that can sometimes get swept underneath the rug with you know, how how big um, attention has become around high school players and, mm-hmm. you know, much, you know, how, you know, people can be, you know, these kids can be known from like fifth, sixth, seventh grade nowadays. Yeah. Uh, it's real big. <laughs> you know, they could be almost household names with, you know, 10 minute highlight clips and, and all these different things. But the most important thing is your impact on winning. And I think that's, that would be the advice I would have for a young kid who's trying to make it, who wants to be a great player, um, you know, to get to, you know, a really good high school player, to get to become a college player, to hopefully have the chance to become an NBA. You have to bring value to winning. So I think that's um, that's the biggest advice I would give. The biggest pitfall um, would be falling, in, falling out of love with the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain level of discipline, a certain level of focus, a certain level of, 
professionalism that you have to have in order to make it to the highest level. And I think sometimes, whether it's complacency, whether it's lack of focus, whether it's contentment, whatever it is, uh, some guys can just say, well, you know, I feel like I can just rely on my talent. Well, I feel like I don't have to put up extra shots or I don't have to work on my body or it doesn't really matter what I eat or whatever it may be. And I think that's where the pitfalls uh, come into. That makes sense, Harrison. Before we let you go, I know you're going to pick team one, the team that you're on as kind of the, the team that's going to win all these games, but I'm going to go through the second five and the third five, and I want you to give me which team's going to win that game, okay? <laughs> all right. The second five are R.J. Barrett, Kyle Anderson, Jason Tatum, Stanley Johnson, and Jabari Parker. Third five, Trey Young, Austin Rivers, Zion Williamson, Michael Porter Jr., and Jaleel Okafor. Who, who's winning that game, head-to-head? <laughs> this, is, this is based off who these players are now. This is based no, off high school, re- high school resume. He's like, man, I was in the league. I was, the the league. I was even paying <laughs> attention. Yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 def- I definitely knew some of these guys, but yeah. I'm, I'm who they are now, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going back to who they were in high school. Uh, who, they, yeah. who they are now? What you know about them now? Who's winning that game? Oh, I have to say they're probably the second team. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, second team. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Harrison, for coming on. Appreciate the advice and the, the trip down memory lane. Have a have a great season, man. Appreciate the time, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Harrison. Appreciate it, buddy. Great Devin stuff. Put, yeah, great stuff. He's talking about preparing, loving the game, <laughs> the small things, winning. And Devin, you put him on the spot, but yeah, that's great. You know, he's uh always been well spoken. He was like that. That's when, what I do. I put people on the spot. Yeah, yeah you know, it's he <laughs> it was like that. I very remember. It's funny that he remembers Sullinger's team losing because I remember that weekend and I said, well, this team's going to win the Ohio State Championship. There's, you know, he'd probably be the player of the year. And they lost. And it was like, whoa. Because they had beaten two big teams that year. I want to say Oak Hill and St. Pat's. Or maybe Oak Hill and somebody. I kind of forgot the second team they bought, they beat. But uh, Sullinger was was great. And, uh, you know, they kind of obviously knew each other. Played well together. You know, played <laughs> together. Probably various things. Played against each other. And... It was a close pick, but I remember Harrison getting talking just like we talked today. And he were talking about that year in 2010, and we're talking about him being the National Player of the Year, and he gave good, eloquent, and thoughtful answers just like he did right now. Yep. You know, he just, uh, uh, you know, great testament to his upbringing and to his not, like he said, getting caught up in how much money he makes or how many followers he, has. Many followers he has or how many videos he's watching. But uh, I wanted to kind of joke to him about, I think his highlight video didn't do him justice, but we didn't get to that. But I'm yeah, sure, yeah. He, you know, that's probably one of the reasons the old, the younger said is like, oh, it's Zion, you know. It's pretty funny. But uh, it's great stuff, good stuff to recall. Um, you know, as far as the, the decade we're talking about, when we're talking about Kyle Anderson, I kind of look at that as the uh, – uh, the game of the decade, at least the regular season game of the decade, that versus that St. Pat's game, it was huge. I remember it was 10,000 people that, at Rutgers, I believe. It was a great game. St. Anthony won its fourth uh, Fab 50 title. I, I went out to a ceremony. At the time, I was with ESPN. We did a nice ceremony, and, and I remember they were very, very uh, hospitable is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, very nice. It's a big word, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. I'm using that, <laughs> so we're using that word. A lot of syllables in that yeah, one. Yeah, I can't even say it right. And it was a great ceremony. Then we had one at Oak Hill in 2012. You know, kind of great, great memories at that time. 
and we talk about Jared Sullinger. Let's just go over real quick, Devin. Um, sure. Uh, the, 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 the second group, the guys who were uh, barely missed the third team, Cliff Alexander, Cole Anthony, Bradley Bill, Jalen Brown from uh, Wheeler Marietta, Georgia, Anthony Davis. I think that's another guy we talk about a hair. People were like, whoa, he's first-team talent, but he only really had one year of high school. He was an All-American level player. And, um, yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. You know, the um, he only was 6'3 as an underclassman, grew to 6'10, and the rest is history. Darren De- Fox, great player in that 2016 class. Aaron Gordon, uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, uh, Josh Jackson, another great wing. Brandon Knight, great guard in 2010, class to start the decade. I think he's a little forgotten how good of a high school player Brandon was. Sure. Uh, Romeo Langford, 3,000-point scorer in Indiana. Shabazz Muhammad. Jared Sullinger, uh, Harrison's boy. Andrew Wiggins, who was another one. That was a close pick. And Nigel William Goss, who was tough pick. We, we wanted to get somebody from Finley Prep on there. It came down to him and Corey Joseph. I think, think Nigel just hit big shot after big shot. He was there four years. And they they did uh, some great things. Yeah, um, you know Andrew Wiggins and and um, Anthony Davis were two of the guys who we saw on social media. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people were wondering yeah. why they weren't on the team. But one guy who um, you know no one's wondering about who's on the team is Stanley Johnson, and I believe we have Stanley on the line. Hey man, thanks, thanks for having me. So everything everything's good on your end, Stanley. How's how's the preseason going for you? It's been going well. Um, you know we're, we went to, went to Japan. Uh, for a little bit, so we're uh, headed back down to New York this afternoon um, to finish our last game of preseason, get, get the season started. So we're just working, trying to get better every day. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I'm not sure if you know, but we dropped uh, an all-decade, all-American team on Life.com from uh, yeah. high school players from 2010 to 2019. Um, so let me go through the first you know, three teams, and then I want to get kind of your initial thoughts on those teams. So the first yeah. team is <clears throat> Lonzo Ball, Kyrie Irving, uh, Harrison Barnes, Ben Simmons, who is the player of the decade, and DeAndre Ayton. Wow. And then... And player of the decade means you're the, the best player yeah, the in best the decade. Player, yeah, correct. The best player in the uh, decade based on, you know, this is based on high school resume only. High school resume only. Yeah, correct, correct. High and Ben Simmons has the best high school resume out of everybody. He, yeah, he does based on winning percentage, averages, uh, okay. national titles. What's the rest of them? I don't even. This is a good one because I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know everybody. I only got the four, the four in my in my class. Yeah, the second four five, years I, I went. The second five is R.J. Barrett. Okay. Kyle Anderson. Yeah, he has some accolades. Yeah, he does. Kyle Anderson. Yeah. Jason Tatum. Stanley uh-huh. Johnson. Yeah. Jabari Parker. Okay. The third five is Trey Young. Yeah. Austin Rivers. Zion Williamson. Michael Porter Jr. And Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad, right? So not one, bad at all, yeah. One of the biggest complaints we're seeing and one of the biggest things we struggled with was putting Harrison Barnes over Stanley Johnson. You have... Four. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> <laughs> so give, give me your cases why you should be on that first team because I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I just think I'm. I, I just think I, I deserve to be born. I think there's no exact reason. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with this high school resume. I'm only really familiar with mine. 
Let me, uh, let me run down a couple of things for you from his. So he won back-to-back unbeaten Class 4A state titles in Iowa. Um, okay, let's not talk state titles because yeah, I know I got them in that one. You have four, yeah. right? And um, from his junior and senior year, uh, they had a winning streak of 53 straight games. Okay. So those were kind of the things that we took into account. Where did he play at again? He played at Ames High School in Iowa. Okay, and then who was who did he play against? That is a great, that is a great point because you know okay. as as Ronnie and I both know, and as I kind of stated when we were debating this, was you won four straight state titles at the highest level. Um, right. Yeah, you know when we posted this on social media, and uh, whether it was Instagram or Twitter, a lot of the people were like, "Yeah, I think Stanley Johnson deserved to be." On the on the first team instead of Harrison Barnes, and for me, I think they're right. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, Harrison was a hell of a player. Like, I mean, he was the number one player in his class, which I wasn't. Right. Um. Not not nationally. He was consensus number one. I remember that. Um. And at that point in time, he was like kind of the first of the wings to like really like be super athletic and kind of like freaky on camera. Right. Um. Right away. So. I mean, for me as a younger guy, looking up to guys like him growing up, I mean, I would give him a nod, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to, like, you know, you never know. Like, you know, he kind of swung the pendulum, and he he was doing a lot of cool things. Like, usually, like, he was, like, the first, like, guy that I remember that was, like, 6'8", kind of doing that stuff. Right, with ball skills. Everybody used to do it with, like, you know, like, ball skills and stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody else was kind of, like, just very blocky, very, like, robotic. In right. movements, he was very like guard wise. Yeah, no. Nope, um, sure. Turn around, he's kind of like Jason Tatum. Like they, you know, they kind of like in high school early with like moves and, and different things. They were early with it. Right, their mixtape. Or a lot of guys. Their mixtape wasn't really like super super flashy, but I mean, there's yeah. a lot of mid range stuff and shooting three, yeah. six eight and real smooth. Um, um, take me back to when you entered high school at Modern Day. Did you expect to have the career that you did? I didn't even play or I didn't, I didn't I didn't start I didn't play a lot of my first couple of games of modern day. Um, I was playing a guy behind a guy named Shaquan Aaron. Yep. Um, at the beginning, you remember you and Ronnie definitely remember that. Yeah, he was an incoming freshman. So yeah, so it was I was actually going to transfer out of there. Wow. Um, but I ended up staying. Um, got a chance to play a little more, and I know after we won it my first year, I remember telling our coach JQ that I said I'm gonna we're gonna do this every year. This is this is the, this is the only year I thought it'd be challenging. Like we're gonna do this every year, so uh, we ended up doing it. It was pretty cool. Um, I didn't. We had a lot of good teammates, a lot of a lot of cool memories, um, a lot of like cool stuff that went on before that. You know that there was way more than the winning that we did, um, which was pretty dope. I made some lifelong friends over it. So yeah, it's pretty dope for sure. And then was it your senior year? You guys went thirty-five and zero and won the state title. Yeah. Was that ever? We, we won everything that year. Yeah. Was that ever a like a, a something on your radar to go thirty five and zero to win every game and win a state title, or did that kind of develop throughout the season and you guys? Ended I, up- I mean, I feel like so my my sophomore year we had a really really good team, um, and I thought we were the best team in the country by far, but we couldn't play in a national tournament. And we went to, we played, we had a really hard schedule that year. We played, like, out of, out of the state, like, probably, like, eight out of our first 12 games or after the first tournament. And we ended up losing some games. Um, I thought we got homered, and, and I thought we got homered a couple times. Whatever, we lost some games, some good teams. 
Um, so we weren't able to win the national championship. And I think the only way to do it was to go undefeated. Um, and that was kind of one of my goals ever since my sophomore season. So to be able to do it in my senior season was pretty dope. Um, I, ended, I think we ended up getting one national title, one national pole title out of, out of it. Mm-hmm. But that was really the only thing, you know, being from California, you can't, you can't do those national tournaments after, after, after your state tournament's over. So if it was, if it was, if we knew that, if we had the, like, if we knew that before the season, we would have went, we, we would have probably, we would have probably done, done 35 and 0 more than one time, especially with my sophomore year team. We just weren't aware of what we had to do. So we kind of slipped up. Yeah. Based on scheduling, you, you could, you could, uh, um, kind of, you know, play those top teams and show that you could beat them. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Your sophomore, you you mentioned that sophomore team. Um, you yeah. Kate and Reinhardt, Xavier Johnson, uh, Eli Salzer was a was a really solid player for you guys. They all went packed. Yeah. You lost, yeah. You lost those three guys, and then that next season, you kind of took that next step, took that next yeah. leap, and became you know the leader. Um, mm. Did you have a talk with McKnight or JQ about your role going into your junior season? No, I, I think um, I was pretty self-motivated. Like, I had, I had dreams and aspirations of myself. Um, they obviously were a really intricate part of my basketball career. We talked a lot about more where I was going to play than what I was going to do um, on the court. And that's when I kind of moved to, when I moved to shooting guard, more of a, like, point guard, shooting guard position. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Strawberry was our point guard, so I would back him up at point guard and play shooting guard to start the game with Elijah. Um and that was kind of when I kind of it kind of pushed me to learn how to dribble a little better and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was a big loss. But you know, we had Michael Cage Jr. who went to who went to Oregon for a little bit. We had Elijah Brown who went to New Mexico State. We had Jordan Strawberry who went to Mercer. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, we had a guy named Chris Neely who went to Boise State. Uh, we had Jace Johnson who's, who I think attends Utah right now. Like we had like guys, we had D one guys um, on the back end of it as well. Yeah. Um, Lavelle Parker, who ended up going to a low major D1. Uh, I think I think one thing about modern day is, is that they have a good system over there. So I remember leaving, and I was like, "What are you guys gonna do?" He's like, well, "There was a modern day before you, and there'll be a modern day after you." Yeah, so exactly. Um, and you see now they keep turning out kids left and right. Um, Devin Nasty's a new guy. Yep. yep. Uh, over there now, who's uh, I think he's committing tonight. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah. So. Um, he's really close to me and Oscar. I'm not. I haven't talked to him about college at all, but he's another guy that will go D1 out of the whole thing. So yeah, they they continue to you know just win and put out guys to the highest levels. Uh, yeah. Who, who in your memory was one of the toughest guys you either had to guard or who, or who guarded you at the high school or, or AAU level? Um, I would say Aaron Gordon. I mean. I'm not, I'm not, I, w- I wouldn't say maybe, like, it was probably the person I respected the most, okay. even though I had to play against him and play with him. Yeah. Um, and we won a hell of a lot together, too, in high school. Um, but he was the person that kind of pushed me in high school. Um, I remember my junior year, he was a guy that was his senior year. And for me to get to the state championship, I knew I would have to beat him. Yeah. And it was the same, same, same summer that we won the, you know, Peach Jam together. Right. So I knew how good he was. I knew how tough it was going to be. So I mean, that's when I kind of like started working out, you know, a little harder, playing a little harder, because um, I knew what I had to, the hill I would have to climb at the end of the season. 
um, you end up doing it. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of working out a little harder, you came into high school as like a kind of like a foreman. You were kind of like a, a dirty work guy, you know, offensive rebounds, yeah. back, things like that. When did you realize you needed to up your skill level, and what did you do to go about that? Um, I feel like I felt I don't know. I felt like I couldn't really go left um, that well going into my sophomore year. Um, especially because I, I broke my finger um, at USA Trials in Mexico. So when I got back, um, I was playing like I was playing the sport team, playing U17 and UIBL, um, and I, they were forcing me left, and I couldn't do anything about it. So I just kind of got in the gym with Charlie mm-hmm. at that point in time, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just knew if I kind of went in the gym and worked at it, that I would get better at things, and I kind of saw results with you know some moves at first, and slowly but surely things start coming into into fruition for me. Um, I don't think it's one thing that I did differently. I was just really committed to the gym all the time. Um, and the more, the more you touch the ball, the more shots you shoot. No matter what you're doing, you're going to get better at basketball. Um, and I just kept going. I played a lot. I played all tournaments. I mean, you know you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. I played every time I could. Um, and I just kept playing basketball. I kept playing basketball over and over and over and over and over again. And I just kept saying results, so I kept doing it. And works out for me now yeah no doubt no doubt um what do you see among kind of the current landscape of high school basketball whether it's players or um i don't know man it's just it's just a little different even from when you were in high school um which wasn't <laughs> it wasn't too long ago it's just i mean i've covered this for a long time you know that ronnie's covered yeah. this for a long time uh, yeah it just seems a little different what do you want to see from high school kids uh coming up now um kind of to you know just get back to basketball right um, yeah, man, like, at the same time, you can't, I don't, I don't disrespect it, I don't, I don't hate it, like, you know, I don't, I don't, it doesn't really, it's new, it's new, so everything new is going to be uncomfortable at first, um, but at the end of the day, like, one thing, one thing is that if, if your goal and aspirations is to play in the NBA, and your goal and aspirations is to play in college, like, ain't, there's not any, nobody can help you yeah. when you get to that point in time, like, you're going to be playing against guys that are really, really good at basketball, like everybody in the NBA was a superstar on the AAU team, was a star in college. Like all the stuff that people are doing now, I, everybody's that. So, you know, all this stuff is cool, all the, all the Instagram stuff and even things that people don't like. But if a guy can go out there and, and, and play well, then why, why, why shouldn't he have a brand? You know, why shouldn't he market himself early? You know, I feel like, before, I mean, I, I think I was, a, you know, our class and, like, right after was, like, one of the first classes where I remember having, like, you know, a lot of followers on Instagram mm-hmm. when I didn't even know it, you know? Yeah. And I didn't, and it wasn't bad for me. Like, it, I didn't, I didn't, they're just taking advantage of their situations. I think all these kids, like, the kid, you know, Mikey, yeah. these kids pretty good at basketball. Like, Josh is pretty good at basketball. Devin, all these kids that, you know, have a lot of following already are really good at basketball. Jalen. Always got a really good at basketball, like so they should be able to market themselves. And now that the NBA is going to have people coming out of high school, which I think is amazing, um, they're, they're professionals already. You know, they're like a 17 year old junior is one year away from being an 18 year old professional grown man, right? And, and that's that's realistic. So if they're going to have that pressure on them at that point in time, might as well get it to them now and yeah. see what they do with it. That so makes that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I like that viewpoint. But it definitely it definitely is distracting for some. 
But if you can't deal with the distractions at that point in time, you're definitely going to be able to deal with them when you get to the NBA. That's true. That's true. That is true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. for sure. What What's kind of been the most difficult transition for you from whether it's, you know, you only you only spent one year at Arizona and it was, yeah. you know, basically, you know, six to eight months. Um, yeah. The most difficult transition from being, you know, one of the top high school players in the country to, uh, you know, an NBA player who's uh, carving out a role right now. Yeah, it's uh... – it's really not that challenging. Like, I, I mean, it's, we play basketball every day. Yeah. For my, that's what I do for a living. I've been doing that for a long time um, since I was younger. So it's all about perspective, and it's, like, it's consistent. Like, you have talent, and you have the work ethic. Like, good things happen for good people who put the work in. So um, this is, like, if you're good, you'll make it in the league, and you'll stay in the league, and that's it. Like, you just got to be good at your job, do your job well, and do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll find, you'll find your way. It's a tough league to play in. It's a tough league to stay in, but it's a really, really great job, and it's 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 easy to do, but hard to do at the same time. And I'm loving every moment of it. Can't wait. For sure. Last thing for you before I let you get back to mm-hmm. your day, Stan. Um, you know, you you were a kid who went to a high profile high school, and uh, yeah. like you said, you didn't start immediately. Um, there's yeah. a lot of expectations for um, you know, kids going from you know in the freshman year starting on varsity or you know getting big time varsity yeah. minutes, whatever it might may be. What do you what advice do you give uh, an incoming freshman going to a, a big name school uh, yeah. you know, fighting for minutes? Yeah, it don't matter. It don't. That don't. It does not matter how you start. It's about how you finish. Yeah. It's like a marathon, and that seems you know that sounds so cliche, but it really is. Like there's guys who never really get it until their senior year and, and have a growth spurt and now they're the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. And there's guys who, you know, don't really fill out or don't get their athleticism. You know, I was one of those guys who kind of freaked out late. Um, it's all about just your your progression and getting your thing right. And everybody's role is different. Everybody has different strides, different strokes of different folks. But just stay with it and the grass isn't always greener somewhere else. Just because, you know, you might want to go to the big academy or maybe the smaller school because it's easier or maybe the bigger school because it's, you know, whatever. Just do what you do. Have your own process. Um, work extremely hard at basketball because there's really only one, you know, there's one in. It's professional basketball. There's one into it. So, you know, holding, holding your kid back or doing any of that stuff, it works, but it's all about what you're, it's all specific to your kid and to what you want to do as a kid um, as, as an athlete because, you know, at the end of the day, you got to you gotta practice for yourself. You got to play for yourself. You got to work out for yourself. Your parents obviously help you all the way through. But there'll be at some point in time when you want to go to college and stuff like that where you have to make your own decisions. So always have that in mind and I don't know, keep God first too. So that's it. Danny Johnson, great Thanks. advice for uh, up and coming high school basketball players. If you guys didn't listen to what he said, I feel sorry for you. Stan, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Talk to you soon, but Yeah. And Ronnie Stanley gave some great insight there. But I want to throw it back to you because he was not one of the guys who was a fringe guy. He was a, you know, second team selection, potentially a first team selection. If I had control over the votes, I do not. But uh, Anthony Davis is a guy who we got a lot of flack from on social media uh, of not being on one of the top three teams. Why is that? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, going back to him, and we appreciate Stanley being on with us. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, 6'3", nobody knew about him. He goes to the... Uh, the indie Spice event, and people are like, "Wow, uh, who is this kid? He's grown six, seven inches. He's going from six three, six nine, 
fluid game. Then he goes to Pangos camp, and that's a pretty strong Pangos camp. Um, very strong, actually. And he was one of the better players there, but there was Andre Drummond, I believe. There was, so he was good, but he wasn't the best player at the camp. Mm-hmm. But he was a terrific prospect. You could see where he was going. So this list is not about where guys are going. It's about what they were. Right. And then by NBA players camp, Anthony Davis was probably the, everybody's number one long-term prospect in the country. Like mm-hmm. happened that fast from the end of his junior March to middle of July. He surpassed guys that have been working towards that for four or five years in, in three months. So he just didn't have enough resume. And then his high school team went 6-18 and 18 his senior year, so that's not going to beat out Jaleel Okafor, uh, you know, Michael Porter, who won a Fat 50 title, Austin Rivers, almost 3,000 points. It's just not yeah. enough. Right. It's not enough Not enough uh, accolades. And that's what it's about, resumes. So as we talk about resumes, let's switch and talk a little bit about what some of our users and followers like to talk about, Devin, and that is the mixtapes and oh, yeah. how they're looking at it. Oh, Zion's not the number one team. The third team would kill this. His mixtape is yeah, crazy. The mixtape's crazy. So we talk a little bit about that, and that does play a little influence. Not huge. Obviously, you know, the, the picks between Harrison and, and Stanley didn't really play into that. Uh, you know, so due to popular demand, we've kind of have thought about with the, the brain trust here at Ball is Life that we want to do a similar top 30, but with the top mixtapes from the whole Ball is Life era, and that's going to be coming out in November, so look for that. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that you might see on there, uh, Mallow Ball, Seventh Woods, Devin, Marcus Lovett. Now, again, Se- this Seventh Woods a- get a scholarship in North Carolina based yeah. on a mixtape? Uh, Honestly. It, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so just based on that, you yeah. know, like yeah. that's I mean, He's on there. He's yeah. on there for sure. You know. Uh, Give us some other names. Yeah, some of the other names. Trevor Dunbar from uh, uh, San Francisco. Great mixtape type guy. Aaron Gordon, who's also on, on that uh, second team with, you know, Fox Gordon and Josh Jackson and those guys. Um, Shaquille Johnson from Milton, Georgia. One of the best dunkers of the decade, I think. When you look at the Dunkers and the Ball's Life era, you look at him, DeMar DeRozan, who we've had on the show before, uh, Zion, obviously, who he would be on probably both these lists. There's going to mm-hmm. be a few guys that are on both yeah. these lists. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but Austin Rivers. I know People love Austin Rivers. His mixtape was great. Why do they love Austin Rivers' mixtape so much? I don't know. Probably just his attitude, how, <laughs> yeah. how cocky and confident he was. I mean, maybe Austin should have been on the second team, but he, I mean, Austin's on there. Yeah. He's going to be on the mixtape list. Uh, we're going to go 30 just like we did with players. This is also going to cheat a little bit, just so you know. It's like the Ball's Life era, so from 2007, 2006-7 on. Um, you know, John Wall obviously is a great guy. So, you know, we'll see. It's like Jalen Brown will make it. Will Caden Reinhardt make it? Oh, Caden's on it. Caden's on it. I know you like his one. Tony Roten. Yeah. You know, again, guys who got hurt. And then that's another thing about this all-decade team. And Tony Roten's uh, an example of that a little bit. Uh, Guys who got hurt, Devin, who, who... Or didn't play... Simply didn't play enough games to make this list. Mm -hmm. Julius Randle got hurt senior year. Dennis Smith. A few more. A couple Harry Giles is a big one. Yeah, he got hurt twice, I believe, sophomore yeah. year and yeah and senior he year. He tore his ACL. Yeah. I mean, he got hurt right yeah. after I released. I released the Fab Fifty. He was at Oak Hill, and he got hurt. Yeah, three I practices uh, three days later. Yeah, you know, so uh, you know that's very interesting. So a couple guys again that didn't make the team because they were hurt. Things happened or didn't play enough games. 
Uh, Andrew Wiggins played two years. Again, a lot of these guys played four years. You know, things like of that. So it was very interesting. We appreciate all the comments, feedback, the trash talking. We appreciate Stanley and, and Harrison coming on. Look for that uh, all-time Balls Life Era mixtape countdown in in um, November. And before that, we like we said, talk, Harrison talked about it a lot, the top teams. Harrison's Ames team was number 10 in the Fab 50 undefeated his senior year. We're going to have our preseason Fab 50. And the preseason Fab 50, so you guys can look for it, is going to be uh, on October, starting on Countdown, three-part series, October 27th, Yeah, Sunday the 27th, 27th Monday, Monday the 28th, 28th yep. and Tuesday the 29th. Devin, uh, looking forward, talk about what you're looking forward for in the first season of the new decade and well we're gonna get close to closing this out uh, i don't i don't know man i mean southern california right. high school basketball is a little weird right now because sierra canyon is so, so far in a way you know more talented and more athletic and bigger than everybody else so it's kind of to see if anyone can you know locally can take them down uh nationally i think they'll probably have a little bit more competition sure but locally see how sierra canyon meshes um see if a team like you know etawanda maybe yeah. who has a lot of their best players back from last year and a big addition with Jalen Clark. If they can challenge Sierra Canyon or modern day can challenge Sierra Canyon. Um, that's kind of what, you know, we're, we're looking at here. Kind of where Sierra kind of a two, Canyon? Two to three yeah. Yeah. team race, you know, behind Sierra Canyon and see what this team can do and how they can come together. And um, there's going to be a whole lot of camera people at their games. I'll tell you that right wow. now. Wow, yeah. Audic gonna... got an Airbnb in yeah. Chatsworth. Yeah. Audic is, our guy Audic's <laughs> going to be at, a lot of Sierra Canyon games. Sierra Canyon's going to be on uh, people around the country that's listening. Sierra, you can watch a lot of Sierra Canyon games this year. Yeah, on various platforms. So look for that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season. You know, we'll see if Etiwana gets into that Fab Fifty again, October twenty seventh. Look for the for it to start the countdown. Fifty best teams. We've been doing it twenty years now in this format. Um, IMG Montverde. You know the great teams. They got great talent coming back. For me, I'm looking to see if Bishop Gorman's still going to be the best team in the West, Devin, uh, without Isaiah Cottrell. They got a good team. They played really well this summer. They won the Ron Massey. They won Section 7. Uh, can they get it done to that level? You know, we'll... Uh, I think Sierra Canyon yeah. and Bishop Montgomery, I think, are the two yeah. off the top of my head right now out West. This is, what, West, west of the Rockies? Yeah, um, West of the Rockies. West of the Rockies. Those are the two teams that kind of jump out to me as kind of the, the top two out here. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, I'll give you guys a little sneak peek. Uh, Mini Haha Academy with Chet Holmgren and Jalen Sugg. That's a good team. You said that, that. You said that really yeah. nicely, real fluently. Yeah. That, was, that was impressive. Mini-ha, yeah, <laughs> I, we, uh, Coach Lance Johnson, a great guy. We did a game there. We 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 uh, broadcast a game there a couple years ago when Jalen was a sophomore. He's a great, great guy, and he has his best team. He's very reserved, Devin. Um, I, I imagine he's even a little like Harrison's gonna be when he's sixty years old. Like he's just really calm and 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 but he thinks he has a really good team, which mm-hmm. he does. He has two of the best players. Jalen Suggs and and, and, and Chet Holmgren. Yeah, that's yeah, a good team, man. You're gonna go far with those two guys. We'll see how they where they land and how high they can climb. Um the one team that I think everybody wants to take a peek at and see what they got, Devin, is um the Patrick School now with Jonathan Kaminga. And Noah Farrakhan coming over from IMG. He's coming back to the New York, New Jersey area where he's from. Again, they haven't accomplished nothing yet, but you know we'll see what what they can do. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of attention. Um, you know, we got Wasatch Academy's good. 
you know, they're, they're a team to, they're to watch out for. Long Island Lutheran is going to play Sierra Canyon to close the regular season. Is uh, Sierra is my, Canyon also plays Mini Haha Academy? Is my guy uh, Andre yeah. Curbelo on Long Island? Yes, I love that guy. Andre he Cabello. is so good, and they got a good international flavor. Uh, Long Island Lutheran got guys from from all over. They got guys that are uh, like known in the FIBA 19 and under, like okay. our, you know that they, people would know about that follow the European game. Have a couple guys, Zed Key, a couple other guys, very good. Uh, so they're gonna play Sierra Canyon on February 8th in New Jersey. Um, Obviously, we'll see Whitney Young against Modern Day at the Nike Extravaganza uh, in February. You know, them in Morgan Park. Our guy Adam Miller uh, from Morgan Park had a terrific uh, USA basketball. We'll talk about that, that in a future podcast. Uh, a lot of top teams and a lot of top players. And we'll just see where everybody shakes out. Like you said, Devin, I think uh, locally... People are chasing Sierra Cannon, the two-time champs, see where how good they really can be. Or do they live up to the hype? Does Andre, our guy Andre, uh, the coach, uh, Chevalier, bring them together again for the third straight year? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. You know what? They're chasing Sierra Cannon. You know what we're chasing, Ronnie? We're chasing clicks and listens yeah. and subscriptions and comments on various social media platforms. Yeah. So if you have the time, you like what you're listening to? Um, give us a like and subscribe on the various uh, streaming platforms, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. Um, we appreciate our guests, Harrison Barnes, Stanley Johnson, for joining us. Both extremely great uh, guys, well-spoken people. Um, gave, ama- gave amazing answers and, and advice for young basketball players coming up. Um, so for Ronnie Flores and Devin Uglin, that'll be it for episode 43 of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. We'll see you next week.